providing employees with dignity and hope for a better future while giving them the chance to do excellent work with integrity and responsibility to each other. That's how they do business every day at Mile High Workshop, an insanely cool social enterprise that gives people second chances and also works with some of the most recognizable brands in the country. I promise you'll be inspired to hear from CEO Andy Magel how an idea with grace as a core value blossomed into a powerhouse organization making a real difference on this episode of Making Our World Better. Welcome to the Making Our World Better podcast, where you will find motivation and encouragement through lively conversations with inspirational people who every day are making our world a better place. Now, here's your host, Jay Clark. Welcome to the podcast. I am Jay Clark, and I'm excited to have a conversation with Andy Magel, CEO of Mile High Workshop. Mile High Workshop is a nonprofit social enterprise whose mission is to create employment opportunities and provide job training for members of our community seeking to rebuild from addictions, homelessness, and incarceration. Can't get wait to get into it. Andy and his team believe the best approach to creating the greatest number of jobs is through focusing on one part of the supply chain, contract production. Mile High Workshop partners with big-name businesses to support their kitting, assembling, packaging, and sewing efforts. The workshop also produces the EverPillow, an innovative product making a positive difference. The Mile High Workshop is structured around the idea of grace, and after moving a few times, is now operating in an awesome 20,000-square-foot facility in Northeast Denver. Andy founded Mile High Workshop in 2014 after managing other social enterprise projects in Denver. He also has experience in service-based nonprofits and business management in the for-profit sector. Andy is a graduate of the Warner Pacific University in Portland and is a member of the American Enterprise Institute's Leadership Network, and most importantly, is a father to a young son, and rumor has it is a Taylor Swift guy. That's true. Ah, fellow Taylor Swift guy, I should say. Welcome, Andy. Thanks so much for the time today. Oh, yeah. Thanks so much. Grateful. So... Start off simple, and how would you describe Mile High Workshop to somebody that doesn't know anything about it? Yeah, well, you did a good job in the intro, but I mean, we are a job training program, so we exist to support folks who are in that very early stage of getting out of incarceration, recovering from addictions, homelessness. So we are, you know, we think of ourselves as kind of a soft landing place and a place to get your feet under you when you're in that position. So folks come here, we uh, it's a job, so they get paid, they work, and we also provide a ton of support for them. So we help them learn job skills. We also help them kind of on the personal development side, just kind of like life situation stuff, transportation, housing, child care. And the goal is that they come in, they stabilize, and then we're able to help them find another job out in the community that becomes their long-term career. Because that's the thing is getting a job is just one step right. to all of this, right? Right. And a lot of times the job is what I think on the front end, it's what helps you keep your head above water right. while you figure the stuff out. And then in the long term, it's what allows you to perpetuate the changes that you've made in your life. Totally. So tell me a little bit about how this came about and how it's all evolved over the last yeah. seven or eight years. It's evolved a lot. I'll bet. <laughs> um, it's, it's, a, it's a kind of an interesting story. You know, organizationally, we started under the umbrella of another nonprofit called Mile High Ministries. They've been in Denver for pushing 40 years. Wow. And they do a lot of social good. Um, but they had a donor who came to them and said, 
you know, I'd like to make a pretty big gift to your organization and I want you to use it for something employment related. And so they were kind of like, well, that's, you know, sounds like a good idea. Right. And meanwhile, like I'm having my own journey, you know, I came out of college in Portland and this is what I'd been wanting to do and had tried a couple different things. Nothing really kind of stuck, you know, right. I was trying to figure out like, well, what's the path to do this? Right. And our, our paths kind of converged at the same time where they were looking for somebody to lead this new initiative. And I was looking for an opportunity to try something. So they brought me in. It was February of 2014. Okay. And so I had kind of this initial donation and a budget and right. a mission to try to help people reenter the workforce. So the very first thing we did was we delivered water, like five gallon purified water oh, jugs wow. to businesses around town. Then we started doing catering. So we got into the food business. Oh, geez. And then we were making soap. We were making dog beds. And then we started making these um, camera buttons. So think of a, a traditional camera where you right. actually have a shutter button. Right. There's a company in Denver card called Artisan Obscura. They make custom wood shutter buttons. Oh. And they were growing and looking for production help. So. Right friend of a friend type of situation. Yeah. We ended up taking on all of their production. They taught us how to make these camera buttons. And like that was kind of the first piece of the snowball that has kind of led us to where we are today, where we're kind of a contract production partner for a lot of companies. We do stuff for them. Right. And the beauty of the model that was true with these photographers and is true with everybody else that we work with today is that, you know, we don't really have to know that much about cameras and photography and right. selling camera buttons. Right. But if we partner with people who are good at that, then we get access to work, which is what right. we really care about. Right. And the better we do at our job, the more they get to grow their company, which creates more access for us. Right. So is that is that kind of the secret sauce here in finding new partners? Like I love some of the partners you're working with, like Kong, Dog Guy. So I'm super familiar with Kong. That's a big league company. Yeah. So so talk about how how you've kind of evolved into working with some of these big companies. Yeah, it's been a, a really cool ride. You know, Kong has been one of our longest tenured and favorite customers. You know, like right. they're a wonderful company and what we do for them, they do all their injection molding in Golden, which is, you know, 20 minutes down the road. Right. And so we get Kongs kind of straight off the mold from them. We clean them up, quality check them, put them in their retail packaging and then send them to their distribution center. And we'll do 40, 50,000 Kongs a month, yeah, um, geez. which is awesome. You that know? is awesome. So we partner with them. We work with folks like National Geographic. We've done projects with Adobe and Adidas and Vans and just I mean, like- I've heard of all those yeah, companies. <laughs> lots of really fun <laughs> companies. Big name, awesome companies. Yeah, we just wrapped up a big project with the North Face. And so they're part That's of right. VF Corp, who's now headquartered right. in Denver. Right. And so they've been a great partner of ours. We did a sewing project with them. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of times the companies like they have a need that they got something that needs to be done. Right. And then I think it's additionally then attractive that like, well, we can get this done for the same price. We're going to pay anybody to do it, right. but we get this added benefit of supporting the community. Um, and that's been a really cool way to connect with businesses and kind of grow our mission through those partnerships. Well, I love it. Cause it's, it's kind of this entrepreneurial business sense that that's creating good. So tell me a little bit. Um, I love the, the, the value of grace, the mm -hmm. acronym. So, so talk to me a little bit about that. I saw that in the warehouse when I toured it. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about that and where that came from and what it stands for. Man, where it came from. That was a long, that was 
early days. Yeah. Um, but we just, we wanted values. But it's values. a core value that's, uh, yeah. that's carried you through all this time. Oh, it's an important part of our work. You know, some places have values on the wall, but they're never referenced. Right. But daily we talk about our values here. We have a morning huddle where we're all circle up and talk about what's going on. And, and grace is an acronym. So it's growing every day, responsible to each other, acting with integrity, community of peace and excellence in our work. And conveniently awesome. there's five letters in that word and there's five work days in our week and so every day we kind of associate with a different value oh, nice. so we talk about kind of the grace as the big thing but then we also talk about the individual values and you know we talk about those in our reviews we talk about those just conversationally and they really drive kind of what we're trying to do and who we are and they're really core to our work so t- tell me a little bit about how somebody comes to you i mean you're getting people that I love that you're providing a second or maybe it's even a third or fourth or fifth chance. Yep. But how do people come to you to start working here? Yeah, usually it's a referral of some kind. Okay. So it's there. Maybe they just got into halfway house and the staff at the halfway house have our flyer up on the wall or their parole officer or right. they're in transitional housing and someone's right. going to say, Hey, you know, you might benefit from something like this. We've worked with department of corrections, you know, um, directly sometimes to hire folks as they're paroling. And so, uh, or it's a family member. They saw us, uh, our website somehow stumbled across it, saw a news story or whatever. And like, you know, you might benefit from something something like this. Yeah. But people that come here, they really are, they're they're coming out of tough situations. Yeah. Um, And this is really a great kind of first step like we were talking about. That's it. Yeah. Our, what we want to do is be the first place that says yes to somebody. So, you know, that's awesome. If you have a record and you're looking for a job, like you're going to get rejected a ton. I'm going to say, these are people that have doors closed in their face. Oh yeah. I mean, and it's the normal story around here is like, I've had 10 job offers, but they couldn't hire me at any of them because my background, you know, I interviewed, they liked me. They said yes. And my background came back and they said, no, like that's the normal experience for most folks around here. So, you know, we want to be the place that says yes and help somebody feel like, oh, maybe I can move forward. Like when you're starting to feel super bummed out right. by that and disappointed and feeling like maybe I don't have a, a future. You're right. like, I don't know how it the heck I'm going to get back into this circle. thing. Right. right. Yeah. So it's like, we want to say like, no, 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 like that's not true. Like you're capable, you're valuable. Like we want to be in your corner and we're going to say, yes, we're going to give you a job. And then we're going to kind of believe in you until you believe in yourself again. And then we're just going to help you kind of like lift your eyes up and move forward, you know. And to be really honest, like that's way more important than any of the technical skills right. that we do. Like we'll work on resumes right. and we'll exactly. practice interviewing. We'll right. do forklift certification. But the reality is like the most important work that we do is helping somebody believe in themselves, believe that they deserve uh, to live a healthy whole life. Um, cause that's not always the case, right. especially if you've been incarcerated for a long right. time, that system kind of eats away at your belief in yourself and, and kind of the dignity of your, interesting your person. I, you know? I, I love that part of, um, restoring dignity. And one of the things I'm, I'm kind of obsessed with is this notion of customer experience. Mm. You're obviously, you're kind of doing that on both sides mm-hmm. with the people that you're working, that work here, mm-hmm. you're giving them the skills and then I love how excellence is one of the, the core values. So you're obviously producing good works. Otherwise, people like Kong wouldn't want to work with you. Yep. So talk to me about intentionality kind of on both sides of, you know, helping people 
rebuild that belief in themselves. So that's kind of a customer experience of them being here. And then yeah. the customer experience of the people that you're doing all this production work for. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, doing high quality work, no matter what the venue is matters. Right. And we've, we've probably all bought like a charity product of some kind because mm -hmm. it was for a good cause. Right. And like, okay, I'm only going to buy that bar, once, right, you know, right. it wasn't that great, but right. I want to support the school or whatever. Yeah. And I think it, it's been very important to us as we've grown to say like, well, we don't want to just be like a one and done place. Like right. we want to be around so we can help people. Right. And the only way to do that is to do good work. And so you know, it's like, we, we love people a lot. We lead with our hearts in a lot of ways, like, but we also still have to do high quality work. So it's like, yeah, with a Kong, for example, you know, if, if we don't do the work, then even though they're very generous and wonderful to us at, at a certain point, that relationship will right. end. Yeah. And right. then we don't have the ability to fulfill our mission anymore because they go away. Right. Um, and that's true of all of our customers. And know? sadly, it's true. It's a great lesson for any nonprofit leader. Money drives mission. At yes. the end of the day. Yes. No, no money, no mission. That's it. Uh, that's, that's, that's what it. they say. So. Right. So it's awesome that you're covering that kind of, again, on both sides of this equation. Yeah. And I think, you know, to your point of like, well, we have to serve people with quality right. too, because- some of our money comes from the work we do, but the rest of our money comes from donations. Right. And if we don't serve people well, then we don't get donations. Right. So it's like, we got to do a good job on both fronts. That's it. Because both of our financial inputs depend on us doing what we say we're going to do. That's it. So. And when you talk about, you know, trying to find sustainability and ways to keep things going, tell me a little bit about Everpillow, which is one of your signature yeah. products, right? Yeah. So that was a customer relationship where we were in the, the production role mm -hmm. and it was a company that was started, I don't even know, maybe it's been like 10 years ago and we've been partnered with them for about seven. So a long time. Right. And the owner, he, he worked with us because he loved the mission and he was a really important part of our community, but he decided it was time for him to move on to his next project. And his heart was to see the business perpetuate kind of the mission here. And so he effectively donated the whole thing to us. And so we became not just the manufacturer, but also the sales and marketing and the oh, customer wow. service team. And that just happened in January of this year. Wow. So, uh, you know, to be really transparent, we're still learning how to do sure, that well and sure. trying to grow it. But being in the driver's seat of the company, there's a lot more upside for right. us. So the more right. pillows we sell, like the more money we have for our mission, right. the more people get to work on that project, mm -hmm. different types of skills and opportunities are provided through it. So it's been this really cool new thing for us that yeah. has come with challenges of learning sure. new activities, right. but also has been really rewarding and we feel like has a lot of upside to justify the risk. So that's kind of a next phase evolution of what yeah. you're doing. Yeah. It kind of, it, it's obviously a departure from being in the backseat, kind right. of being the third party is like, no, no, right. this is all us. Right. You know, and it's, it, it's a blessing and a curse. <laughs> like, <laughs> It goes both ways. Yeah, I'll bet. I'll so bet. We're we're enjoying it most of the time. <laughs> well, and I I don't like bringing up the pandemic much because mm. there, but I will in this case because you had to have some really strong practices and everything else in order to weather that. Yeah. So talk about how you guys came through that. Yeah. Tough period. It was hard. I know it was hard for everybody. I think being in the nonprofit. But you're space, still here, still standing, filled, growing, I flourishing. Unbelievably, that's yeah, true. Yeah. Right. We we were pretty vulnerable. We felt pretty right. vulnerable. I'm sure. I think you know we had to make a decision. I still remember. I mean, everyone remembers the early yep. days of the pandemic, right. where we were like, "All right, we have a certain amount of money in the bank. Either we're just going to shut it down, hibernate." 
keep that money in the bank, see what happens. Or we're going to like choose to cannibalize the organization and run out of money so that we can continue to support people. So, cause we had to send everybody home, but we made the right. decision to pay everyone their full salary wow. the whole time, even though we weren't doing anything wow. because the folks we work with, you know, like talk about vulnerable, right. like not much of a safety net. And right. so we realized like, Hey, if we cut back, to preserve their organization. Like what we're doing is leaving the people in our program, like completely exposed. Yep. And so we paid everybody and wow, good for we didn't you. earn very much money during that time. Right. But the community, like, man, people donated to us. Like we stayed alive through the generosity of the community. If yeah. there, to me, if there was any silver lining from the pandemic, it was, it just shined a light on how generous people are at yeah. their core. It was, it was very cool. I mean, yeah, it was very cool. humbling, you know, for people to just reach out like, we want to help. And, you know, we sew. And so the one thing we did do is we converted all of our sewing operations into a mask making operation. Oh, nice. And that became this like thing that everybody was rallied around. Right. We all got excited about like, oh, wow, like we can actually do something. Right. And so we had people on our team, no matter what their job was, like, helping run fabric around and people were sewing at home and learning how to sew, you know, it was just like this whole kind of group effort that we got to contribute to kind of community safety. It gave us purpose. We earned a little bit of revenue from it, you know, and just kind of like kept us moving. Yeah. Um, so that was a really cool activity we got to do. Well, it's, it's a testament to being nimble because you have to be able to think quick and, and move fast. Oh yeah. Um, so, so testament to that. So where would you say that this, the motivation to do this kind of work comes from for you? Uh, Cause this is the narrow road. This yeah. is not, this is the road less traveled that you're on. I think, I feel like that question comes up a lot and I, it always blows me away a little bit because I'm just like, we're not doing anything that special, right? Like we, we run a company that cares for our employees and like, I'm sad maybe that that's not just what it means to run a company, you know, like well, the cold hard truth is, is that is I know. you're an outlier. I know. I, I know it's true, you know, yeah. but I think like the, right. the conviction basically just lies in, in the belief that like, this is just what it should be or what it is to be alive and exist in a community, you know? And like, if you're going to do something, wow. you know, like I'm a big Wendell Berry fan. I don't know if you are familiar with his work, but he talks about, about like the big economy, right. including, like the environment and all these kinds of things, like not just like the little economy being the financial piece. And I think, you know, I guess I'd say like, I'm a believer in like the, the holistic version of like looking at how we do business and who the actual stakeholders are. You know, I think we need to expand our view of that um, and say like, everybody's a stakeholder right? and the way that Great our business point. operates, like it affects everyone, whether we right. acknowledge it or not. Right. And so we can choose to be intentional about that then and lean into it. And I think that's really all we're doing is like trying to operate a company that is like effective and efficient and works and then like be as thoughtful as we possibly can. And we probably take it to an extreme because we are like literally paying people to write their resume so they can go find another job. And wow. like no other company is going to do that. Yeah. Right? Like that's a bad business right. practice. <laughs> um, but you know, like the heart is like, Hey, we right. exist to, to do good work right. and to serve our community. Oh, you know? that's super inspiring. So as you look back on the last eight years and even before that, what have been some leadership principles that you've, you've like leaned on mm in running this organization and growing it to where it is today? Dang. Yeah. Good question. I mean, I think I'm very much like not a, uh, 
like, here's my top three that I can articulate right. for you. Like right. the most important thing in my own experience has just been kind of authenticity and transparency, you know, and building trust. And when we've had hard seasons, whether that's been the pandemic or whether that's been just like, oh man, one of our big customers had to walk away. You know, we've lost right. some customers and I'm it's sure. like not necessarily been our fault. It's just life changes. Business, right. The world changes, you yeah. know? And so it's like when we've had some really tough times over the years, when we as a team are connected to each other and we're like willing to be vulnerable and honest about what we are, what we're feeling, what, how we're all kind of navigating this thing together. It's like, you know, we can uh, come together and kind of ride out those storms because we, we have trust in one another and we're kind of, we, we know we're all here for the same reason or committed to the cause, you know? So, so I mean, I think a lot of leaders feel pressure to like put on a brave face yeah. and like everything's okay. And right. I got I this. Got the, I got all the answers. Right. And there's been a number of times where I've had zero answers <laughs> and, you know, I think being willing to acknowledge that is helpful and it allows other people to step up and yep. just like, you know, this place is much more than me, you know, like we have really wonderful people on our team and they have lots of ideas that never come to my mind. And if it was all coming out of my brain, we'd be in trouble. <laughs> you know. So. Well, I always preface this one. I know it's an impossible question to answer, but do you have any uh, favorite stories that really stand out about somebody that's gone through that, that's come through as a worker and has really turned their life around? I mean, yeah, there's been, you know, every season has like its own favorite story. Like my favorite story of kind of the recent past was a guy who we had, he came into the program. He actually was supposed to start the Monday that we closed of the pandemic. Oh, geez. And then we had to tell him like, I'm really sorry. We don't have a job for you. Um, But he was our first hire when we kind of like got our legs back under us. Right. And so he came in just like, head down, like literally physically, like head down, looking at his feet as he like shuffled down the aisle, like very shy. But then by the time- It has to be more common than Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not out of the the ordinary, you know, but he was with us for several months. And by the time he left, just like lively, vibrant, like really important part of the community. And he left to a good job in the community doing kind of light assembly manufacturing, similar type of stuff. And we wanted to reach out to him recently to see if we could tell his story in like a newsletter, right. you know? And because I had heard he got, at the end of the year, he got like a $5 raise because they loved nice. him. And his employer reached out to us and said, if you have any more people like this guy, please send them to ah, us. Mission accomplished. But we couldn't get a hold of him and uh, we got worried. Right. But then he reached out to us like a little while later. He's like, hey, I'm sorry. Like I was on vacation in Hawaii. Wow. And we're just like, oh, oh man, like gosh. if there's an example of like what we hope for no folks to come to the program, like to be able to like be in a position in your life where you're taking a phenomenal vacation, like that's what we want, you right. know? And so oh we're my like, gosh, that's so, happy so awesome. <laughs> we heard that's fantastic. So what it really keeps you going and excites you about the future of all this? Uh, you know, I think it's that like, well, number one, like we're, have a front row seat to people investing in themselves and making change in their life. And like having those moments of success, victory, you know, overcoming odds, like we get to see that all the time. So that's like, a that's a line. thing. But then I think even beyond that, like we are part of an ecosystem in our city and within our yep. state where there's energy. I, I think there's increased energy towards this idea yeah. of just like, 
how do we do things differently? Right. You know, and whether that's like the justice system, Department of Corrections, right. or whether that's employers looking at how do we use our companies differently? Like there's just this wave that feels like it's cresting and will create change that's, you know, long-term right. and impactful. Because I think our dream is that as a nonprofit, we don't have to exist anymore because right. like, it's just normal. Like, the business, work we do right? because you're, is your not necessary is done, right? because like, this is just the way our community works, Yeah, you know? And so like, I don't know that that's tomorrow, but there's good energy like in that direction that makes me excited. That's awesome. So, um, so just to change gears a little bit, the last couple of questions, what's something you will read, listen to, or watch today? Today? Today. Uh, well, okay. On the way in, I was listening to my favorite podcast, which is the Robcast. I don't know if you listen to that at all. Rob Bell. Uh, he's a, okay. he's a, a, I'm a big fan. So have to look that one up. Yeah. It's nice. a good one. Okay. Robcast. So who, who's really served as a role model for you in doing the work you do and leading to you to where you are today? Man, well, I think the the godfather of this type of work is Father Greg Boyle, who's out in California. He started at a place called Homeboy Industries back in the 80s. He's written several books about it. I mean, when I was in college and was like, I have this idea, but I've never, no one has ever done this. Well, you know, I wasn't aware of it. Right. But then I like stumble into like this guy who's down in California and he's a Jesuit priest and his story is phenomenal. And he's just like done amazing work over the years, just very inspiring leader and person. So he's, he's kind of the man when it comes to social enterprise. That's a good one. So is there other organizations that you really admire the work they're doing or ones that you've partnered with that you'd love to give a shout out to? Yeah. I mean, two blocks away from here, I don't know if you like coffee, but there's a place called Prodigy Coffee House and they just opened a second location, but their original one is two blocks from us. They share a mission with us, but they work with youth who are kind of uh, disconnected from the traditional education systems and that sort of mm. stuff. So they really try to help get them down a path that's going to be healthy for them. And so we're very good friends. I think like so very, not a, not a hugely dissimilar mission. No, well, right. we're like strong values alignment, right. you know, right. and a, another organization that we just love in town is called breakthrough. They work with folks who are currently incarcerated and they do a ton of like entrepreneurial training for them while they're incarcerated. Uh. And we are working to figure out how we can go more inside the facilities as an organization. And we're excited to be trying to figure that out with them in partnership. So, Wow. We're kind of kindred spirits in the work that we do as nice. well. Nice. have to look up both of those. Well, Rome wasn't built in a day. Did you ever think back in 2014 or even before that, that you'd be sitting in a beautiful 20,000 square foot warehouse running, working with Adidas and <laughs> North Face and Kong? Right. I mean, did, could you ever envision that this is where you'd be? No, I'm 100% no. That's <laughs> yeah. awesome. Absolutely not. That's awesome. Yeah. No, I mean, I think a lot of people have that entrepreneurial story with like lemonade stand and all this. Right. And like, I, that's not my story. Like I w came to this work more through just like, this has to exist. And like, I don't really know how, or if I'm the guy to do it, but like, I don't want to live in a world where it doesn't exist. Uh, so it's just like, well, I guess I'm going to do it. So it's, you know, to be here now and see like we've served like 250 something people through the program over sellers. the years. It's just like kind of blows my mind. That, you know, that's it's, awesome. It's very humbling to have had the opportunity to get to lead this thing, you know, as long as I have. So if somebody wants to learn more, support, volunteer, whatever, how do they find you? 
And the easiest place is on, online, milehighworkshop.org. We have a very loosely uh, curated social media presence. So if you look for us, you'll find something there. Um, and, but yeah, I mean, all of our info is online. That's the best place to find us. Fantastic. Well, I hope you keep up the great work. I hope one day you'll run for governor. <laughs> yeah, we'll see I'll run your that. campaign. I'll volunteer to be campaign manager. Oh, but, but thanks a ton. Keep up the great work. Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for listening. I took a lot of notes from this conversation with Andy, and I hope you did too. This podcast has been brought to you by JC Charity and Event Services. If you're interested in how I might be able to bolster your efforts and help your team achieve its goals, I'd love to have a conversation with you. You can find me at makingourworldbetter.com. To learn more about and to support Mile High Workshop, visit milehighworkshop.org. Check the show notes for links. And if you enjoyed this podcast, we'd be grateful if you'd share it with a friend. Until next time, I hope you're inspired to find a way to make our world better. Thank you.